my simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Spiritual people really love to say everything happens for a reason. It's very annoying to me because that's not necessarily true. People love to say it, though. They're like, oh, you lost your job. But then you got the new job, and that's where you met Lisa, right? Things don't always tie up in a nice, candy-coated Hollywood fade-to-black swell the music. Not a long enough timeline, you know, your heart's going to stop beating. You're going to die. So what was that? That's, we're just going to edit that out of the movie? Like, things are going to fail or f- go wrong at some point. Hi, I'm Dr. Oz, and this is the Dr. Oz Podcast. You know him from the hilariously brilliant HBO show Crashing and his beloved podcast, You Made It Weird. Pete Holmes rose to stardom as a stand-up comedian and successfully intertwined his eager imagination and sharp wit to keep his fans laughing for over 20 years. The New Yorker called him unchiseled. Why do they call you unchiseled? You're unchiseled because I'm low T, probably. No. Can you check my T? I will do that. Before we were Here. rolling, I was you did something very decisive. And I was saying, I'm going to drop all the medical facts that I know. Decisiveness linked to testosterone, which men and women both have. We both know. And you were very decisive. And your jawline is very square, which is also a sign of high T, which is why women find it attractive. Isn't that interesting? It's a sign that they can tolerate poison because testosterone is poison. But that decisiveness when it's for themselves is fine. When they start meddling in everyone else. He he wasn't just being decisive about his own microphone. He was taking over mine. I know. And that's just annoying. I understand. And annoying (laughs) is not what attracts women. Let me mansplain. Even in the jungle. Let me mansplain this to you. Let me explain it. So why is Pete here? He's opening up about his soul-seeking journey and path to enlightenment. Actually, he's a fantastic book. Uh, it's called Comedy, Sex, God. Thank and you for All pausing. the speed bumps, by the way, that yes. come along with finding enlightenment. Because as you know, if you see the Buddha walking along towards you, what do you do to the Buddha? Kill him. Kill him. No Kill him. You thing. know why? Because if you see it anywhere other than inside, it's not it. And that's the point of the book. It's, it's the, I'm not, I don't mean to jump right in. No, jump in. Jump but in. It's, the, it's the moving from external religion to inner spirituality. Obviously, that, that is what I'm going for. It's you. St. Francis, I love the St. Francis quote. He says, what you're looking for is what you're looking with. 
And I think that's it. Science would obviously call it consciousness. The Christian world, Christian mystics would call it the soul. Other people, the Hindus call it the Atman. We're talking about the phenomenon of being, of awareness itself. And when we dwell in that place of base, simple awareness, that's where joy is. That's where anxiety disappears. It doesn't disappear when we just calm ourselves down, think positive, or try and problem solve. That will only give you a temporary hit. You know how the brain is. The way happiness works, dopamine, adrenaline, endorphins, all the things that make us happy, are to train the animal. You go for a run, it gives you a hit of endorphins. Why? It wants you to keep running. So happiness is a fool's game. It's stupid. Real bliss, real contentment comes from separating yourself from your thoughts, disidentifying with your ego, and dwelling in that gift that we all have. This is why it's good news. We all have it. You have it. You see the Buddha? Kill it because it's looking out your eyes right now. You are it. And that, that is the message of the book. So many could deliver, although you did that beautifully, uh, an argument for what you just said, but you were an evangelical Christian, yes. which I'm going to come back to. Yeah. Um, went the complete other way because there's probably not a lot of evangelical Christians in the uh, comedy kind of world. comedy world. Yeah, no, that's true. And there's a great story that I'll come, I'm going to come to later that has to do with M&Ms that you recount. <laughs> sure, yeah. Which I think is a great example of how ethics plays a role in modern society and how it's a little different from what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but mostly I brought my biggest ally because Lisa went to theology school. I Did you really? Yeah, yeah I've dropped so, out. So, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't deep enough for her. That is the most theological thing ever. To is to break. Yeah, because to me, spirituality is about breaking away. You know, one of the more confusing things that Jesus said you know, allegedly, you know what I'm talking about. I don't mean to quote him no, like a quote reporter. Him, yeah. It, yeah. it was in 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 the in the New Testament. He says, "I didn't come to make peace, but but I brought a sword. I came to turn brother against brother." And what he's saying is, in my opinion, he's saying like, it's it's not the easy path. You're going to break. You're going to leave school. I my wife might leave me. I might even lose my faith. We're talking about a rocky road. We're talking about the path of resistance and suffering. And I used to think like being with God meant like, of course you finish theology school. It's his school, right? No, it's the path is complicated. That's where the juice is. That's where the conflict is. And that's where change is. Like we change when we suffer. And I don't know if you suffered and you left, but I'm guessing you didn't leave because you were loving it. <laughs> you know, right? I think it was called pregnancy. <laughs> or pregnancy. No, I was not pregnant. Oh, Okay. No. Missed I, well, I was pregnant. <laughs> what I love, and I think an aspect of the divine that we sometimes miss in Christianity is what they they had at least in Norse mythology, which is the trickster, the that um, the irony of the universe, because right? mm. it's not the just cosmic so, joke. It is the cosmic joke, yeah. right? And we don't talk, and that's where I think the comedy and God come in together for I you. Agree. Maybe why is God laughing? Because he gets the joke. <laughs> Because yeah. he gets the joke. And when we laugh, so enlightenment, we could talk about being lighter, being more spacious, and even laughing at our own suffering, not later. To me, the game is about learning to have hindsight in real time. So something that I was just talking about, and there's a chapter in the book about like when something goes bad. And, and I, I recently had something professionally not go my way. And you get that, the jacuzzi jets of anger oh, sort of kick on. Yes. You know, you feel it. But all, all been there. Dr. Oz could tell us what chemically is happening. Like something is, there's a constriction in your stomach and your brow. And it, you feel you're sweating and you're angry. And like one of the things I talk about in the book is to say yes to the world. And to say yes even to the things that you wouldn't want. Not later, 
But in real time, the brain has, this is, I know it's kind of woo-woo spiritual stuff. This is very practical. You can be an atheist. You can be an agnostic. I think those are valid choices, by the way. I'm saying if you're suffering and you greet it with, yes, thank you. The, the Franz, uh, Franciscan friar Richard Rohr says, the first forgiveness in Christianity is to the world. It's us forgiving the world, reality, for being how it is. So it starts with you forgiving the world, and that's also Buddhist. The Buddhist idea is that resistance is what causes suffering. So you tell a story in your head. Your alarm goes off in the morning. I know you get up early. And somewhere, and you were in late last night. Yep. Some mornings that alarm goes off. And you're like, you tell yourself a story. I should be able to sleep longer. What is all this success for if I can't even get some sleep? sleep yep. And I know the numbers. I need this. I need seven and a half for my cycles or whatever it might be. So you're suffering because you're resisting what is. And there's something beautiful. This morning, my alarm went off. I didn't want to get up. The first thing I said out of my mouth, literally, this is not a metaphor. I said in the dark, I went, yes. And that is what I try to do to suffering. Because as I write about in the book, my wife left me. I lost my faith. The two things that I thought, absolutely, full stop, these things should never happen. Divorce and then becoming an atheist, absolutely not. And those two things were absolutely essential to my spiritual growth and my development as a person. Why, why, when your li- wife left you, did you lose your faith? What is, what did your wife have to do with God? Yeah, I mean, well, the reason it's called comedy sex God is because God and sex were so linked to me. Um, You're, are you tantra? Do you practice tantra? No, <laughs> I'm not sting. I wish I was cool <laughs> like that. Yeah, the the book is not about my sexual prowess in any way. It's it's more about how. For so many people who have an earnest desire to understand the universe, I remember when you were on Crashing, Dr. Oz, you, you talked about the singularity, and, and we talked off camera about how you agreed with that idea of a single speck of mass erupting into the Bing Bang, and we can call that God or we can call it the singularity. What's the difference? So this is sort of the God we're talking about. So people have an earnest desire to understand that. That's really beautiful. And let's call that a bucket. Unfortunately, into that bucket gets poured some pretty inconvenient dogmas that can be very at odds with who we are just as human beings. And the only one, like, I wasn't tempted to lie or cheat or steal or be cruel. But of course, I was sexual. I was going through puberty. I don't think you or I, just as men, can even remember what it was like to be 15. Everywhere you look is sex. It's just like what you see is sex. And then you have church telling you there's a transactional model for love. And a transactional model for salvation, meaning like heaven and hell, afterlife realities, torture, pleasure, are hinged on not sinning and God loving you. And your biological drive makes God actually not—it makes him hate you. He hates He hates his creation. He made you, and he hates you. I understand, you know, obviously this is more difficult for gay people, um, and I, I have compassion for that. And— as even as a straight person, you felt like shame. You felt th- that level of shame that you almost had to come out of the closet. In my in my t- late twenties, I had to be like, "I want the world to know I'm attracted to my butts." You know yeah. what I mean, or whatever yeah. it, whatever it was. You you had to come to terms with your sexuality. So that was a, a big part of my journey, and that's why those two words are in the title. I don't know how I got there. You said something about the mischief. Well, why did it? Yeah, I was just asking. Like when pe- people seem to. It's not an uncommon scenario where people's faith completely crumbles when they have a personal tragedy. You can see it happening all around you, but somehow we all think we're immune. And then the laws of the universe don't apply anymore. And, and, oh, everything's terrible, even though it happened 
you know, a mile away from us, when it happens to us, then the universe is right. shot and God doesn't exist. So much of religion is narcissistic, isn't it? I mean, my, my faith certainly was. And so much of religion has been turned into an ego-driven um, membership. It's identity building. It's culture building. But it's always us versus them, in versus out. And as I've been joking all day today, it's like, have you ever noticed that it's always your group that's in? It's funny that it works yeah. out. Everyone else is wrong. <laughs> and if they were just listened to their inner voice, they would know that I'm right. Well, are you listening to your inner voice? Are you wondering if you could be wrong? Probably not. But anyway, when my wife left, to your point, Lisa, is that like I could have gone one of two ways to follow the stereotype. Is one is I could lose my faith. That's that's obvious. Or I could go double down and become super religious, which I've also seen happen. But, you know, we don't have a model of God that allows for suffering. There, it's just not part of the story. I write in the book that I kind of felt like I was in his protection plan. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't swear. You know, you say freck. You say gosh darn it. You, you, have, all, you have all these ways around it. You certainly don't have sex. Um, <laughs> you know, not that anyone was offering, but like you don't. <laughs> I had this convenient. It was like, oh, it's not that no one wants to. It's that I'm very holy, you know. <laughs> So you do everything right. So why the suffering? In my model, it was like God was the mafia and I was paying him protection money. So he should watch my bakery, right? But then somebody throws a brick through the bakery window and I go, well, this guy's not paying out. It turns out that like that is a very Western limited scope of suffering. When I when I when my wife left me, somebody at my church goes, this was a pastor. He goes, we're not good with suffering. He was like, he was basically apologizing. He was like, I'm sorry, we're not really good with suffering. I was like, it's crazy. It's one of the cornerstones of spirituality. So that's what led me on my journey. I wanted, because it's, it's hard, like people have this earnest desire to understand and participate and experience the fundamental feeling of the universe where we can call that God or the mystery. And unfortunately, that sort of, gets mixed up into religion. So it's sort of embarrassing to be religious sometimes. And I understand that the book is a lot about trying to save the baby from the bath and to try and take some of these Eastern ideas that actually help me recognize those ideas in, in the Bible as well that allow for suffering. That, of course, <laughs> any religion worth its salt is going to have some understanding of suffering better than the devil like that oh the devil grabbed the controls that's not that's not biblical that is not the idea all right we're just scratching the surface here but we got a lot more to discuss so stay with us right after the break when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year 100,000 mile limited warranty you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. 
Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss. A common mistake that a lot of people do, they use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using oh. fabric softener. Oh. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. So when I started doing uh, reading the scripts for Crashing, and just to, in full disclosure, Pete allowed me to stain his wonderful <laughs> HBO show. It was awesome. Yeah. You were, uh, you had that sense of humor and wore the suit. We were writing it, we were like, will he wear a skin tight suit with the organs on it? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Yeah, you mean no different, different than the one I have? Yeah. So, and, and so in the show, uh, Pete's a, is a comedian trying to get work, and he's one of the jobs he gets is to be my stand-up. He does a stand-up before the show is to yeah. get the audience psyched up. So you, you come in, you do your job, and I'm, you know, my part is a you know, ridiculously uh, macho version of me. Right. Sort of. It's always yeah. funnier to have exactly. the celebrity play like a jerk version. That's like, it, that's what, and that's what uh, you did so well. Uh, and, not uh, really. You weren't that Not that not really. Yeah. Yeah. People didn't laugh. But the <laughs> no, other, no, they did. They other, did. Other than that. You were in the promo. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I mean, it was but, the best part. But, and I, and I, but I started, you know, I, I had seen the show, but I didn't really realize it was autobiographical in some, to some extent. Yeah. And most people, if, if they lost their wife, would be so painful they would run from it. And to your point, they'd either run towards church or away from church. Right. Uh, but they certainly wouldn't talk about it too much publicly. And you write a book about it. You, you make it. I did three seasons of a three show. Three seasons of a show. Book, yeah. You know, a very successful show on it. And a part of the reason the show worked was because you are speaking to the, how you're coping with your suffering. Right. So give us the, the ABCs. Give me the Pete Holmes uh, game plan for For coping. suffering? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a big question, obviously. And I, I, I want to say in humility, it's a little out of my pay grade, but I'll, I'll take a, a shot at it. It's the idea, my understanding is that we don't change if things are working. Richard Rohr says, when things are working, we don't change. We need to change. We need to grow. And this is not just from the ego level. And this is the big distinction is let's say that there's the ego level and there's the soul level. That's a pretty big buy. I understand that some people are going to go like, well, I'm out. You, you lost me. But Basically, when I say your soul, I just mean your your basic awareness. Like when you're with a little baby, I have a, a little baby. When you're with a three month baby, they're not selling you a story. They don't know they're American. They don't know they're a woman or a, a girl. They don't know they're white. They don't know anything. They don't know they're separate. They just are. Capital A A R E. They are. When when Moses asked God in the Old Testament what his name is, he says, "I am." So God is the quality of being. And your soul is that pure, unencumbered, unidentified being. Okay? So that's what soul is. We could also just say awareness. So there's your awareness, and then there's what Jung and Freud called your false self, which is the story you tell. I'm Dr. Oz. I have a TV show. I'm American. I'm this age. I'm this. I'm married. All this. Just this thing that we kind of perpetuate and gives life meaning, and it's a fun game to play. But the real you 
is the part of your brain that's watching the thoughts, that's hearing the thoughts. This is what we call your soul. So in the book, I say, sing happy birthday in your head. And I go, go on, I'll wait. And I go, <laughs> right, that was funny. Ask yourself, who's hearing that? That's your awareness. So again, if I'm losing people with soul, let's just say awareness. So there's two levels. There's your ego level and there's your awareness. When people in this world say, in this world, in this country say, things happen for a reason. And spiritual people really love to say, everything happens for a reason. It's very annoying to me because that's not necessarily true. For the, in the, from the ego level, from the story level, that's not true. People love to say it, though. They're like, oh, you lost your job, but then you got the new job, and that's where you met Lisa, right? Oh, good ending, right? Bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can swear on this show, but it's that's not true all of the time. Like, things don't always tie up in a nice, candy-coated Hollywood, fade to black, swell the music. Not a long enough timeline. <laughs> You know, your heart's going to stop beating. You're going to die. So what was that? That's We're just going to edit that out of the movie? Like, things are going to fail or f- go wrong at some point. So what are we saying? I do believe things are happening for a reason, but I don't believe it's the reason of the ego. I think that is pretty irrelevant. That's the show. That's the dance. That's the play. But what we're really doing is we're trying to refine and uncover and awaken the Christian word for this would be to save, salvation, or conversion, our souls, our spirits. We're trying to remember who we are. So the summation, as far as I'm concerned, of every mystical tradition, all of them, is very simple. You are not who you think you are. You think you're your story. You are, as St. Francis says, as I already said that, what you're looking for is what you're looking with. But this, yes. I want to hear it again. Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, I say it so much. It's true. <laughs> it's one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. What you're looking for is what you're looking with. So that's who you really are. That's what you're looking for. That's God. That's awareness. That's being. That's your place. That's your dignity. And the love that we're talking about, it's already looking out your eyes right now. So the things that happen in our lives, it's sort of like God or whatever or this, the lawfulness of the universe, rattling your cage a little bit, rocking the boat, saying, Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Stop clinging. Stop it being so attached. That thing went wrong in my professional thing, like the thing that made me angry. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Get over here. Get over here. Stop clinging to the illusion or what they call maya. As the Buddhists say, it's on fire. Everything. Jesus says, store not your treasure where, do- uh, where rust and moth doth corrupt. Your money, your cars, Your good memories, it's all on fire. It's all going away. What lasts in this world? Awareness lasts. There's nowhere you can go that isness is not. And your identification with that is the solution, or at least in my experience, it's helped me lower my anxiety for death because you start to ask yourself what dies, what is dying. I'm not talking about my ego. I don't think I'm going to die and be like, Pete's in heaven. <laughs> Pete's in heaven. Pete's a good boy. He made it to the good boy. I don't, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an undulating, recycling fountain. That's how I see the world. That's how I see the solar system. That's how I see everything. It is a fountain, or it's like the ocean. And our stories are like the waves. But don't forget, you're the ocean. You're the ocean. You crash. You're sucked back in. It's it's a beautiful, recycling, repurposing, infinite, blah, that is that we are, we belong. We don't come into this world, as Alan Watts says, when you have a baby, your producer is pregnant. When you have a baby, that baby isn't coming into the world. It's coming out of the world. It's, it's, it is an inherent part 
like Taoism, of the lawful nature of reality. That's the good news. You are loved. Love is what's holding you together right now. It's what's making this, you know, that from the scientific perspective, this table and me are made of the same thing molecules. And Bill Nye did my podcast. And I was like, so what, what is matter? And he said, matter is molecules repelling each other. And I said, why do molecules repel each other? And he says, the scientific perspective is we don't know. Okay. And I'm not here to say, oh, well, then science is stupid. I'm saying science is beautiful. That's great. We don't know. That's a mystery. What I'm saying is the mystics, these traditions are saying, Dante, uh, his definition of God is the love that hung the stars. I would add to that, it's the love that's making you, you, and me, me, because this is just a room of one thing. If we could see on the molecular level, it's just a swarm of hornets (laughs) that we call molecules. And yet here I am. I'm in this one. You're in that one. You're in that one. It's a game. It's a dance. It's a trip. It's fun. Play it, but don't get lost in it. Don't forget that it's one and that you're part of it and that you belong. God isn't wagging his finger at you and mad that you masturbate or, or swear or whatever it might be. It, it, it's, it's a story that you're lost in. And the good news is that you are born in it and a part of it and, and, and loved. The, this is love. This is love. I'm gravity. This is love. This is love. You just I'm, touched me inappropriately. <laughs> <laughs> There's a video you can see. Watch the video on Facebook. You get extra. Touch. You got to get extra credit for theology school for this. Oh, st- yeah. So yeah, well, we'll, years ago. You'll get two credits. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so many places to go. You want to go first? No, go ahead. So it's, you mentioned Richard Rohr a few times, who we've become very close to. And, uh, get out. Yeah, we've been to his retreats. And, uh, no Lisa's way! Lisa's parents, Lisa's mom especially, is a source of much wisdom in, in our lives. I did Colbert last night. I brought him the Universal Christ. Oh, my book, goodness. And he goes, I've already read it. Yeah. I'm like, this is what I'm well, talking so he's about. He's been through some stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, he lost his, with his mom. He, yeah, yeah. He, some of this is public, but he, he you know, he, he, he didn't talk about it much. But he's been he had a very difficult childhood, loss yeah, of his loss mother. of, and, and his dad and his brothers yeah. in, car, in, a, in a plane crash. So, you, how do you come back from that? It, it changes how you see the world, right? But uh, Richard Rohr, I think, is a, has done a wonderful job awakening us. I agree. To and again, he's a he's a he's a theologian, right? He's, he's brilliant. He, he he gets the doctrine, but he can describe um, in beautiful ways. And he's inside of it. You know, I like to be, I'm a comedian, so I'm kind of coming from the outside. So someone might buy this book because, oh, it's the guy from that show. And then I'll be like, hey, wow, while you're here. Richard, <laughs> though, it's it's even more impactful to somebody like me who left the church because he's got the robe and the rope belt and he does the talks. Yeah. He's in it still. And that makes it even more powerful, I think. But keep going. Yeah. I'm so sorry. And uh, and then this brought a theme of, of the meaning behind this, because you, you, you mentioned Bill Nye's very wise comment, which is that you know, we have their fundamental forces that define a table, our skin, our head, probably much of our brain function, but yeah. not, not necessarily our consciousness. Yeah. And the nice thing about religion is that it's trying to answer a different question than science is trying to answer. Right. You know, it's, it's a, science is asking, you know, what is this? And religion is asking, why is this? Right. And that's something I say in the book. I say, with all respect, I am a benefiter of science. Science brought me here with directions. You know what I mean? Like I, vaccines, all these things, wonderful things. So it's good to acknowledge that they're dance partners. They should be dance partners, as my friend Rob Bell writes. But I, I wrote in my book, I was like, science is trying to photograph it, and that's wonderful. And the mystic is trying to have it sort of pass through you. We're trying to experience it. I want to be like a, a spoonful of sugar stirred up into the universe of the iced tea. I want to dissipate into it. And that is an emotional and visceral 
and spiritual and psychedelic, wonderful experience. I also need the people in white coats going, yeah, but it's also expanding at this rate. I need that. <laughs> so so m- moving beyond science versus religion, then there's religion versus ethics, which you do talk this. about a and little Richard bit. Richard talks about beautifully. Yeah. And my, my mother-in-law is a minister, actually. Oh, wow. Um, and you know, we have these debates. The classic debate is you're at a, at a four-way stop uh, light, and there's this no— This is tr- not the classic debate. This is just your obsession. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not ethics. This is nothing. This is uh, no right, move away. Move away. justifying his bad traffic habits. That's uh, all I love it. All right. Move away from that example. I'm going to move to an example that, that uh, Pete no, used. No, 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 no. You're at a four-way stop. I have to. And no one's there? You're at a stoplight. There's no one there. Do you illegally pass the light? That's the question. It's like an intersection. Intersection. You and go, we're in the desert. Can we desert. be in the desert? We're always, we're always in the desert. desert. That's, that's, no one's around. No 100 miles no flat land. percent you go through. You go through the light. Right. How many times she you won't. Yours? That's not true. Would I not? Lisa won't because Wait, it's not never, the right thing I've to do. Never run a red light. Or you are, I've done that in New York, driving back to gigs. At I like, so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> this is the stupidest thing. Some Wait. bad neighborhood. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. So, like once a week, we talk about this. So, I love it. I hate that for you, but I love it for me. So <laughs> like it's fun to watch. P- here's Pete's scenario. P- Pete is in a uh, with with many of his stand-up com- comedians uh, who are atheists, and one of them in particular you you you, you mentioned. Uh, you, you're at a um, a facility that has a honor bar. And there yeah. are M&Ms there. Yeah, it was and, an unmanned market. <clears throat> yeah. So the question is, if you are not a person of faith, why? and therefore no one's watching, why not just take the M&Ms and walk right. away? Right. And that was really beautiful for me. There's a, a chapter called The Heratheist in my book, <laughs> which is where I'm briefly an atheist. I like to say I was a Heratheist because I really enjoyed it. Because... <laughs> You know, if you're given the, the choice between, like, believe that everybody that died in the Holocaust went to hell because they didn't believe what you believed, which is a very heavy thing to say, forgive <laughs> me while you're still laughing God. at the Horatheists to say such a dark thing. But if you're given that choice of that belief or the belief in nothing, it's actually way more compassionate and, and rational and beautiful to be like, I, I, well, then I'm out. I just don't believe in any of this. So I was very curious, though, why are my atheist friends, I was with two of them, uh, why why aren't we stealing these M and M's? Why aren't we what, just take it? Who cares? And uh, we were we were drinking, and <laughs> my <laughs> in the mini mart. Well, it's a hotel that had a mini mart. Uh, the alcohol okay. was free, right? So not a bar. <laughs> yeah. So they didn't take the M and M's, but they took the beer. No, no, no. We were drinking <laughs> elsewhere. We came back to the hotel. The M and M's were there, and and I said, I was newly atheist, so I was confused. I was really confused. I was like, I don't understand. I had spent so much of my life with this transactional view of love from God, which is like, if then, if I don't steal, then he loves me. But now I don't believe in God. So I'm like, why not just take these m You just wanted a free pass to be bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I know a lot of Christians that are like, if I wasn't a Christian, I would see prostitutes or I would do this. I'd, I'd steal, I'd cheat, blah, 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 who cares? And I'm like, I don't know about that. I think you're selling yourself short. I think you're selling your conscious short. And you're literally just like a lizard thing that's going on, empathy that's like built into you. I don't think you're just going to start well, doing whatever just, you want. Just to have the debate with you, and again, this is what we're, Please. we're all offering personal opinions. Much of what serves as ethics in the West came directly out of the monotheistic religions, right? Christianity in particular in this country. So the many Ten people- commands. 
Sorry? Ten Commands. Ten Commands. Yeah. Ten Commands <laughs> sort of tell you what's right and wrong. And, yeah. you know, you you get it, whether you actually read it yeah. as Moses got. Well, our the, society is built on the Ten Commandments. So you instinctively have those. Uh, there are other countries, and we, you know, I, my show's in 100 countries, so Lisa and I get to travel, and we love going wow. to different places, and it's fantastic. But it's I'm always stunned by how uniformly we struggle with these same issues, sure. but how different the answers are. Interesting. And not all the answers are surprisingly good or bad. Sometimes the ones that seem bad work better, or, you know, it's, it's, it starts to jar you a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, how do they figure this out? What a wacky response, and yet it seems to work for them. Right. So the, the big, big argument becomes, okay, in every society there are these archetypal vessels, these things that are our ethics, and we've got to pour some fluid in them. And that fluid is your faith. Mm-hmm. It could be Christianity. It could be capitalism. Sure. Right? It could be many things. But there's something that you've got to organize life into, belief systems, otherwise you can't get through stuff. These are meaning-making symbols, and we, we need meaning. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I, 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 in, in our society, we wouldn't take those M&Ms. There are probably many societies where they would because they're foolish enough to leave them out, and then they won't leave them out anymore. Right. Isn't that they a find... Chinese thing? Isn't there, there's something some... in China where it's like if somebody's stupid enough to like let you trick them, it's almost like a virtue to trick them? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. That's a billion people I just threw yeah. under the bus. I'm just saying I've heard more. Maybe someone misinformed. Is that what's going on with this trade war right now? Yeah. <laughs> give it. Give it a Google. I don't want to be thrown actually, into my, this. Actually, my friends who are Chinese say that in China there's an expectation that you'll be called on cheating, and it's okay. It's not a. It's not, it's not an insult. You just got caught. You just fix it and you go back and keep doing business. Oh, interesting. So Whereas don't take it, it personally. In Japan, shame. Oh, jeez. Yeah, no one. Well, you can leave your camera on the street and go into a museum and then come out. It'll still be there. And still, most societies have an element of that. One of the most powerful weapons we have is ostracizing people. Right. Shame. Shame. And that's why mob rule, which is, you know, sometimes you see here, even in this country, becomes so dangerous. Right. Because people are condemned in abstentia, which is in upstate New York, small mm-hmm. town. <laughs> and that is funny. You Come on. Why does my wife? a million times. <laughs> the walnuts are working. The walnuts are working. His brain is working. <laughs> Sorry. So you I brought it too many just, times. Just, you know, there's... In fact, our listening audience is probably That's crazy. I want Abstention New York t-shirts on your website. I know, I know. That's the whole point. That's what's funny. It was a Mad Magazine joke when I was a little boy. I know, and you've been telling it since you read it when you were eight. There's lots more when we come back. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high yield savings account. And 
what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that, plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. You, and I'm, I, I still don't understand why you're so darn funny, but you are. No, no, I mean, you are. Because I just I remember meeting you when, when we were filming Crashing. I just, just looking at you is funny. I appreciate Start laughing that. as I'm looking at your right. unchiseled features. That's what you want. That's yeah, what you want. That's right. Somebody was, I think I said that to somebody. I was like, I'd, I'd rather look funny. We were talking about chiseled features. I was like, I'd rather look funny. Yeah. Zach Galifianakis is the same Zach way. Zach also. He'll come up to you and just be like, the bus is late, and you'll just laugh in his face. <laughs> Even though he's lost all that weight, it's not yeah. about being doughy. It's just like some people are just funny, and I always envied that. So now that people like you see me like that, I'm like, I've done it. But some people do it. Zach has that crazy look. You got, yeah. The, yeah. I've got my golden retriever infused <laughs> on its hind legs. Right. Yeah. But, but have you ever thought of making short? form comedy pits that are really about the deep faith yeah. elements you understand so well. It's tricky because, you know, comedy is really funny when it's like making fun of something. It's, it's a little bit tr- difficult. That's why it was sort of hard for me to cross the hump and and start to admit publicly that I am a spiritual person and that I'm interested in the mystical traditions because comedy, we're, we're funnier when we're outside of something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's funny to make fun of marriage. It's not as funny to like be married. I am married. It's funny to make fun of crazy people with kids than to be the person with the kid. But like I'm trying to get in. I like being in. And when it comes to like sharing deep things, that's why I wanted to write the book because I can do it with crashing. Like what you, one of the things I loved was that your line didn't get cut. Was that you were like, that that thing? Because I would always write these things for the people, especially the guests, to say something to blow my character's mind. Where it's like, you can call it the singularity, you can call it God. Are we really going to argue about vocabulary? So there's just like, what is that? Yeah. That's just a little morsel of protein in your chocolate bar. It's just mm-hmm. a comedy show. It's just chocolate. But what was that? Oh, there's some peanuts in there, or whatever it was. Maybe a healthier nut. Maybe a raw almond. So well, peanuts aren't really nuts, as you know. I know, they're, and they're, they're not great, and, they're, and you can't eat them raw because they're poisonous. But we digress. <laughs> we digress. All right, so I'm going to digress. <laughs> but I, I think fiction has a better shot at, at... I think this is why Jesus spoke in parables. Like, stories are sometimes better. I would argue that things like... Even, like, pop movies can have that message. Leave the village. Challenge authority. Get broken. Come back. Watch any That's movie. That's all stories. That's like pretty That's much I mean. like the hero's journey. So you can watch the Avengers, and there's something going on in there where you're like, yeah, Iron Man. The first Iron Man, so good. he breaks his heart, <laughs> and he has to build a suit. That's his new belief system to escape the old, the old way. It's a resurrection. It's the Christ story again and again and again and again. That's actually my next book is about how pop culture is like trying to nudge us. Such to a good up. idea. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd like to pre- I'd like to pre-promote that. Pre-promote one. that right now. You can buy it right now on Amazon. <laughs> but before we wrap up, we've done a lot of the God talking. Did you just put sex in the title to make us buy the book? <laughs> no, <laughs> can we talk man. Talk a little bit about sex. 
Well, as I mentioned, my, my marriage ended because of, of an affair. But that's no sex. That's, that's not no sex. sex. That's sex with somebody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Comedy, that's hearing God, about no sex. sex. Should have been comedy, sex, hearsay. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, because as I mentioned, it's like it's like though that was the hot sin. So Richard Rohr, I can't. If you buy one book, yeah. buy The Universal Christ or buy Falling Upward. If you buy two books, buy Dr. <laughs> Oz's newest book. If you buy three, buy mine. But it, the idea is that he says, you know, the Christians are obsessed with the sins of the body because you were talking about shame in Absentia, New York, earlier. So shame is obviously a huge motivator for our behavior, and it's a good way to control people. And one of the most naturally inherent places, a source, a, a soft spot to inflict shame is people's bodies. This is why we wrote the book Everybody Poops. I mean, like, people are shamed, like, almost immediately. Like, is this normal? And then when you bring sexual function into that, it's easy. It's a, it's a low-hanging fruit to make people feel shame about their sexuality. So Richard Rohr is like, he's so great. He goes, can't we get off these sins of the body? When he when he's talking about homosexuality or, or just any sexuality or... Or, or That's what it sounds like too. Can we just get off? I was trying to do. I was like, can we get off it, huh? Huh? Yeah, huh? That's right. <laughs> these sins, these sins of the body. Uh, but he he talked about Paul. There's this quote that the church loves where he says the sins of the flesh um, being like the big ones, basically. And the church took that and ran with it. And they were like, see, you are bad for looking at that Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue and or whatever it is for people. It, it could be. It doesn't matter. But Richard, I think so wisely, and you know wisdom when you when you feel it, when it lands on you. He's like, Paul isn't writing about the sins of the flesh. He means the false self. Mm-hmm. He means the body. He means the ego. He means the lie. And we're back, whoops, we're back to what we were saying at the beginning. That's not who you are. It's it's the story and the everything. I like to think of sin as as the static on the radio. Right. I write in the book that there's nothing you can do that can bring you closer to or further from the infinite love of the divine. But there are things you can do that increase or decrease your awareness or your experience of that love. So sin is, as Eckhart Tolle says, it's unconsciousness. It's just something that you're not woke to yet. So it's the static on the radio. And you want that song coming in clean, not so you can be a good boy and get the gold star and be rewarded and be like, I'm Pete and I'm in heaven. I mean, I'm, I'm still me and I'm still here. It's because the song is where the life is. It's where the juice is. And I'm not talking about later or on Sunday. I'm talking about right now as I'm talking to you. This is it. We're a part of it. It's crazy. It's incredible. And we get lost and we forget Anything, your your thoughts, just like regular, ordinary, mundane thoughts could be a sin in the sense that it's yanking you out of the moment. So that's why we meditate. And that's why we, some of the things I talk about in the book, the ways that we practice to stay here, because that's where the electricity is. For and there's, a, there's a bit of, ch- of a challenge in much of this. And I get, you know, so, there's so many points you make that just take them by, in order. So the, the word sin yeah. Uh, according to Jordan Peterson, anyway, is uh, and it actually this part I know is true. It, a, a, a sin is if you don't hit the target on a bullseye. That was Richard too. Richard also said that. Yeah. Right. So it's actually that you know what to hit because you got to figure that out, and then you have to actually hit it. Okay. So there's a competency issue. You actually have to learn what what, what you're sharing, which I think is incredibly wise, and then you have to work at it, and it's not easy. Right. And that's the struggle. Right. Right. So and that's the game. That's the game. Right. It's to a, take and that, it's in the game. 
It's think, not a flaw. We no. we could have been born perfect. No, they could have been born in heaven. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, when I was a kid, I used to be like, why didn't God just make us born in heaven? We just party. If if this God really wants us <laughs> to just praise Him, like we go to heaven and we praise Him, why not just make infinite armies of angels to praise you? It's not. It's a. It's a bad narrative. It's a bad story. We lost the thread. This is it. The meaning of life is life. This is it. This is the game. We're learning about ourselves. We're learning about itself, our ourself. And so this is what we're doing. And the mistakes are part of it. The suffering is part of it. I don't tell that to people who are suffering. And, and I don't recommend anybody do that. And if you're suffering, I, I, I apologize and I empathize. I don't apologize, but I empathize with that. And th- this message might not be right timed for you. But, you know, from the global zoomed out universal perspective, it's one thing thinging itself. It's one thing undulating, just like the ocean, mm-hmm. just like anything. So there's a lot of beauty to be, and a lot of peace to be had in in becoming one with that idea. Just flipping it, and, and, and Richard gets into these issues of quite huh. frequently, huh? You know, <laughs> can't we just? But, huh. he, but he, he speaks often, the first half of life is about understanding the rules yeah, that's of right. engagement. Building a container. Building a container. And the second half is not to keep building the container. It's to break it. Exactly. Yeah. And to actually play the game. So I, I tell our kids, you know, learn your game you're going to play in life. Cricket, football, baseball, doesn't right. matter. Find right. the game. Then, but then focus on actually the, the game itself. Enjoy the, then you're going to lose. And right. and the bigger question we should be asking ourselves is, why would you expect not to have suffering? I right. mean, we're, that, that's. That's insane. Yeah. That's lunacy. And can you use the game of being Dr. Oz to wake up? Yeah. That's why I, maybe it's weird that I'm a comedian and I'm doing this, but like, it's all, all of it. Can you use being a comedian to wake up? And, and, and really, when we say wake up, it sounds like it's over there. It sounds like it's, it's on the other side of a wall. It's so much closer than that. It's as close as the air on your skin. It's, it's as simple as just going like, oh, right, it's what's looking out my eyes right now. It's this. So and it's just my story that's in the way. You've got a very popular podcast. Yes. Called, yeah, you Make It Weird. You Made, you it, made it Weird. Past tense. Past tense. I Make It Weird yes. on You Made It Weird. <laughs> <laughs> you Made It Weird. Yeah. So uh, what have you learned through the conversations you've had that's most memorable? I mean, endless, endless, endless stuff. I, I You know, I've had maybe 400, almost 400 guests now. And if you listen to it, it's really this book slowed down. It's over five, six, seven years or something. So you can listen to me basically starting the podcast at a time when I was maybe not really thinking about God. I was still embarrassed about it, so I wasn't really thinking about it. And then you can slowly listen to me, like meet a guest who tells me about Joseph Campbell. And, you know, somebody reached out to me. I write about in the book that he emailed me because he was listening to the podcast and he was like, I think you'd like Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell, for those who don't know, is is the guy who helped us read mythic literature from the perspective of the people that were writing it. And myth doesn't mean not true. It means truer than true or not true. Just the way I always explain Joseph Campbell is that's where George Lucas got Star Wars from. That's right. Right, hero from a thousand faces. Yeah. And George Lucas says he got it from Joseph Campbell. That's right. I mean, it's it. You said hero's journey earlier. I mean, it's just part of our vocabulary now. But um, that helped me realize that the Bible isn't a textbook. It's not a scientific text. The story of Genesis, as Rob Bell says, it's a poem. It's mm-hmm. not an explanation. It's a story. 
It's not, a rabbi told me this in Israel, he was like, it's not to tell us how God created the world, to tell us that God created the world. Yes, it's such a beautiful distinction. But we go like, well, it was seven days and this and that, and then this came first and that, and it gave us dominion over the animal. It's like a story. It's, it's a story. <laughs> You're supposed to feel it. It's supposed to, it's like looking at one of those magic eye pictures. You're supposed to look past it, and then you see the sailboat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? You're supposed to let these stories kind of go through you. But we spend so much time going like, well, did Jesus really say this? Or was this, what, or why does this gospel? In the gospel of Mark, Jesus dies and isn't resurrected. It's just, it doesn't, he dies. It ends when he's dead. Why would they include that? If they were trying to make an airtight, perfect, factual religion, why would they include a gospel where Jesus dies and doesn't come back? Because that's not the point. Sometimes you need, which story do you need? Because we're trying to get you here. God is trying to seduce you. Which story do you need to the people that are suffering that I was mentioning earlier? Sometimes you just need a story where the guy dies. Like, would you like some solidarity? He's dead. He's you, you often, would you like some hope? You know, read the next one. <laughs> you often mention that you don't, you don't run on, on caffeine, coffee, you run on anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Right? So what, what, what makes you anxious? I write about it in the book. There's, there's just like a fundamental... And I cope with it. Obviously, we're talking about a lot of the ways that I cope with it. But if I'm being honest, when I wake up in the morning, especially on days when, like, I love days like this. I love seeing you guys. And this is really fun for me. And I did Colbert last night. So my false self is shining. Right. You know what I mean? I'm Pete. I'm fancy. My publicist got me a smoothie. You know what I mean? Like, you feel, thank you, Kate. Thank you, Catherine. Happy birthday. You made her work at her birthday? God, that she is harsh. She said this is what she wanted to do for her birthday. <laughs> this is your present to her. She's 26 today. Um, She'll learn. Listen, uh, what was I saying? Anxiety. Uh, oh, so anxiety. But on normal days where I'm not full of myself, uh, <laughs> the one or two that happen a year, I'll, I'll wake up and, and I gave it a voice. The voice of my anxiety is saying, what if they get me? It's just a misfiring of synapses. Who but gets you? It doesn't matter. It's just wrong. My brain is just, it's just firing something that was designed to keep me alive. But it's just, what if they get me? Something's going to get me. What if it gets me? Something physical or existential? It's just... Doesn't matter. All of it. It's just the it's feeling paranoia. of... Par- it's paranoia, basically. It's, it's, it's anxiety to the level of like... Just something's wrong. Although, you know what Kissinger what told Nixon during Watergate? What? Even paranoid people have enemies. <laughs> yeah. You know what my therapist says? Paranoid people are correct. This is powerful. <laughs> when you, If you live in L.A. and you're paranoid about earthquakes, yeah, you're correct. If you live anywhere, I think it's funny that people say they're afraid of plane crashes. I'm like, you're never not on a plane. <laughs> this is a plane. You're in an airplane. It's called your body. And as you know... There's about a billion things that could go wrong for no reason at any moment. So you get off the plane and you're like, I'm on the ground. I'm safe now. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Welcome to a stroke. Welcome to an aneurysm. Welcome to any millions of things that could happen, small and big. So, like, you need something better than I'm safe when because we're all in something that is atrophying. And this is where, this is why I wish spirituality and religion wasn't so stupid. I understand that it is because it's been co-opted and ruined. Somebody pooped in the punch bowl and I get it. And, and, and I'm trying like Richard Rohr and Rob and like yourselves and certainly like Oprah and Deepak and Eckhart. We're trying 
I'm I'm happy to throw my name. I'd love Please, to be on their yeah, side. Put it in there. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I'm certainly not as great as they are by any means, but I'm trying. Where these are people that have helped me find fresh water. You know what I mean? Like th- that one's been ruined, but like, can we save some of it? Ramdas, can we save some of it? And the answer is yes. And then when I go, what if they get me? I can have that extra personal perspective, the soul perspective, where you go, wow, Pete's really nervous this morning. Pete's anxious about, he doesn't even know what he's anxious about. Who is noticing Pete's anxiety? Who is the observer? And that's your real self. And your observer is fine with all of it. It's fine with all of it. Your animal, dread, panic, so much going on. The observer is just going, it's neutral. It's love. It's, it's isness. And it's beautiful. You listed a, a bunch of people who I respect tremendously. And uh, most folks who are listening have li- you know, at least got bits and pieces of their wisdom. You bring a, a different approach. Yeah, I swear more. You swear more. <laughs> you're taller. You're unchiseled. The, the, Snooby do, the Scooby-Doo of philosophers. Yes, that's right. I'm shaggy. So, so what, what's the future for you? I mean, that you, 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 your comedic career is is thrilling to watch and yeah. I, I do I believe you'll that. have and continue to have great success but you're probably yeah. called to do even greater things than that so what does the old oh, that's very Pete Holmes do? Well I'm very interested here's what Alan Watts right he has this great thing he says that he doesn't like to think of himself as a teacher he likes to think of himself as a, as a stream down a mountain and you guys can have this this is beautiful it's not mine I took it from him please take it I'll steal it's, it it's helpful he's like I get up and I talk about these things. And you know what I'd be talking about if I wasn't doing this podcast with you? This is 100% real. I don't, in my life, do comedy. I don't do routines for people. But I do have conversations like this constantly with the driver. Like, if they want to. Like, I'm not trying to push myself on them, but I'm curious what they think. This is what I do. So Alan Watts is like, I'm just like a stream trickling down a mountain. If you want to come and drink some, if you're a deer and you want to come and wet your nose, great. But that's not why I'm doing it. So I'm doing this because it's what I do. It's, it's my psychology. It's my physiology. It's probably in me physically somewhere. I just like talking about the mystery. And I like sharing good news. It helps me remember it because I forget. I forget every day. It's like this, the doubt, and then the whatever. Then you remember and you're, you're back in the place. Then you forget because you're grumpy, you didn't eat, you're hangry, whatever. So I like talking about it because it helps me share some here and now with you guys. So I'm going to keep doing that. If people are open to me in this space, that's super exciting. I'd like to do some live events, maybe add it to my comedy show, do like a, a second show or an early show where we do the Comedy Sex God Q&A or a conversation because it's just what I like to do. So I'm going to keep doing what's sort of written on my bones to do. And it, and it is this stuff. And this book, you guys know what it's like to kind of branch out into other areas. I'm like kind of like sticking my toe in the door going like, well, you guys, is this okay? Because what I'm realizing is nobody's going to tell you, like, you should get in the spiritual circle. You just do what you do. And with the book, we'll see if people accept me. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I'm righteous. I'm not saying I'm holy. Listen to my stand-up or my podcast if you want examples of how Pete (laughs) is not enlightened. But but the I am that's inside of him is doing just fine. Any rebuttal, Lisa? No. I mean, I'm I'm been a wonderful... In awe. Of, <laughs> of, really, the light that you are bringing to the world. So it's my thank joy. You. Thank you for giving me this conversation and this podcast to do it. And it was a, it was Pete Holmes. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> God.
comedy, comedy, sex god, and lots more. Does anyone call you Draws? Oh, this is a long story. I can oh talk. boy. Okay, you're uh, in an intersection uh, in the uh, desert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very. <laughs> My friend, take care. Thank you very much. Congratulations Thanks for having me. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. It's The Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.